up, everyone? Welcome to episode 96 of the Game Explain Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and this time I'm joined by Ash Paulson. No Andre this week because he's currently working on a video for the weekend, so he's not able to make it in. But we got Ash here, and yeah, how have, have you been uh, this past week, uh, Ash? Well, pretty good. It's actually kind of weird because it's been like three weeks since I've recorded one of these because we were gone for at least one week because of, you know, all the Smash stuff and Nintendo Direct and all that craziness. And then I was in Vegas uh, for a short vacation with a couple of friends after that. So it feels like it's been a while, even though it really hasn't. No, it actually feels like it's been a while since we missed a few weeks there. It was kind of yeah. bad. <laughs> but uh, no, hey, I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, working and, and just fitting in what gaming time I can. Uh, I'm still chipping away at that secret of uh, Mana Remake. And despite it's, you know, it kind of goes up and down in quality, but I'm still having a good time. And uh, I, I don't know if this is a good thing necessarily, but uh, my wife and I finished watching Devilman Crybaby, <laughs> and <laughs> I still can't decide if that's a good thing or not. It's one of those things where you said it perfectly, like, I'm glad I watched it, but I'm also kind of wish I hadn't, because I really don't want to carry well, the memory of that show around. It's one of those things where I, after I finished watching it, it's like, you know, I think I kind of hated this show, but I don't yeah. regret watching it. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, yeah, like, I, I certainly don't want to spoil anything for people who have yet to watch it, but, uh, but you know, go in knowing that it, it is messed up and as depressing and as dismal as you've heard it is, it's, like, a hundred times more. So, <laughs> like, just go go in knowing that you're, like, you're going to want to watch three happy animes in a row after that. I've already told my wife, like, whatever we're watching next, it can't be sad. Like, I'm, I'm good on sad for a long time after that damn show. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things you ex- start expecting. Like you, you see the setups for like the tropes you always know about, and it's like, oh, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be no, it's not all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so there it's are, just there are some gut wrenching moments in there, especially the towards the last three episodes. Uh toward the end and it's just it's awful so yeah i mean i mean it's great but it's awful like it has a lot of important things to say i think but uh oof just the way it delivers those things is pretty pretty painful mm. uh but it's hey it's it's only 10 episodes that the animation's beautiful it's definitely a quick watch so uh yeah i'm glad i watched it but uh, i wish i could kind of forget about it now um <laughs> but uh no so that's really been what we've been doing um yeah i'm trying to think of anything else but uh Actually, my, my wife and I did uh, rent from Redbox uh, the other day. We rented uh, Kingsman the Golden Circle, and we mm. watched that. And uh, I, I remember it getting really bad reviews at the time of release, but we had a good time with it. Like, it's not as good as the first movie, but we we enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that's the thing with it. It's just sort of, it's fine. Nothing yeah. too great or any any real way. I mean, it's kind of funny how the marketing was all about Channing Tatum, and he's barely in it. He's barely in it. I, that, that surprises so much. So uh, he's barely in it. But I got to say, I did love Julianne Moore as the villain. She she plays crazy very well, and you could tell she was having a fantastic time with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish the I wish the marketing hadn't spoiled the the um, oh Colin Firth coming back. I mean, even the director yeah, was I like, agree. even the director was upset that they did that. That was really silly because, like, if I hadn't seen a trailer and, and had that spoiled for me in the trailer, I would have had no idea that Colin Firth was coming back or that, you know, that he had survived at all. Like, that would have been such a great surprise. Yeah. Like, legit, so, like, really cool to see. Yeah. So that was unfortunate. But, hey, I still really enjoyed it. And I think uh, my wife and I actually might tonight finally watch Thor Ragnarok because it's finally out on Blu-ray. So we we definitely missed out on that one, but I think we're finally going to watch it uh, either tonight or very soon. I mean, yeah, you kind of have to watch it because uh, the 
Avengers Infinity War trailer just dropped this one. Uh, actually, exactly. today. So yeah, exactly. Which we haven't watched that trailer yet. Oh, but, you haven't. Uh, okay. No, not no. I've been waiting to watch it with Basola because we I didn't want to watch Ac- it without her. Actually, you know what? Watch uh, Thor Ragnarok first. Watch Thor first. Okay. Yeah, I just I was just thinking of a specific scene that. All right. Uh, nice. Yeah, you'll want to watch Thor Ragnarok first, then watch the trailer. Good trailer though. I definitely enjoyed it. I'm ready for the. Uh, movie <laughs> it's nice. kind of crazy just how many freaking actors are in this thing but uh yeah it, it, it's looking good <laughs> nice well i'm looking forward to it i know i am and uh yeah in terms of gaming stuff i honestly haven't had a whole lot of time to play a lot of games recently i'm just kind of chipping away at a lot of them so like again the secret of mana remake um what else uh, i'm still kind of chipping away at steam world dig one on switch um i've been messing around with fire emblem warriors a little bit um, but yeah, I just I really haven't had a whole lot of time to play things with work, and uh, but I'm, I'm hopefully we'll get some time soon, and I do want to finish that Secret of Mana remake so I can move on to some new stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, kind of in the same boat. Like I just you know played Kirby Star Allies. I did that for the review this week, and uh, right, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Like it's one of those things when you first start playing it, it is just as wonderful as you'd expect the rest of the Kirby series to be. But as you go along, you start seeing like. It has less of the surprises and uh, stuff that made me love Triple Deluxe and Planet Robobot so much. Not saying it's a bad game. It is not a sure. bad game at all. I would recommend it to any Kirby fan, honestly. It just depends on – it's just a matter of what exactly you expect out of this Kirby game. Do you expect it to be the next big thing and surpass what came before? Well, I don't think it really does that. But it's still right. a fun time, which is why I, I like it, but I don't – I. You know, I just like it. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly you know. You're I watched your review, and of course, you did a great job on it. But kind of the the way you fell on it was kind of what I've been expecting ever since I played the demo at that press Nintendo press event a while back, and just kind of the the feeling I've been getting from all the pre release buzz. It's like it this definitely feels like the one where the formula they established in Triple Deluxe and continued with Planet Robobot. This seems to be like where it could start feeling a little stale if unless you're a really big Kirby fan. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. The, the problem is they had good ideas uh, for how to keep things new and interesting, but they didn't really run with the idea that that right. often. And I think that was its big issue. Like, I never saw them really utilize the combinations like I thought they might, mm-hmm. uh, which is a bit of a shame, but eh, it's, what can you do, honestly? <laughs> you know? Right. Well, hey, I mean, you're talking to a, the hardest core of Kirby fair, the hardest of core Kirby fans. Here, my wife and I both love Kirby, so I'm going to try to pick up Star Allies tonight, hopefully, and mm. uh, we can maybe play a little bit tonight. We're actually going out of town this weekend to a uh, to a trance show that my wife is really excited about in San Francisco. Um, so we're going to do that. She she loves a trance artist named Gareth Emery, so we're doing that. I got her tickets for the holidays, and uh, so we're going to go do that this weekend, but uh, hopefully we can play a little Kirby before we leave. Yeah, that'd be cool, especially since yeah. you know it is multiplayer, so that's sort of perfect for you too. <laughs> Yeah, and we had a good, a really good time playing through uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland together on Wii. So we're kind of looking forward to having another co-op, you know, mainline oh, yeah. Kirby adventure to go through. Yeah, yeah, it's right down your alley. Nice. Uh, funny thing is, I've I haven't had time to play anything else beyond Kirby. I bet. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I still want to play Near. Like I beat it. I, the funny thing is, I beat it, but not really. Like I got the first uh-huh. ending. Yeah, yeah, and even from Automata, I can tell you, you have not even come close to seeing the whole game if you've only seen the first ending. Exactly, and and already, like, I did play a little bit into 
the second playthrough, like where it starts okay. and everything else like that. And of like, okay, this is an interesting start to it. That's an interesting place to, to pick up. And then you start going through the stuff that you're already, you've already done. And they introduce this new twist that gives it a whole new viewpoint on what you've been doing up into this. And I'm like, like you're still doing the same stuff. It's just you're getting a different perspective as you're doing that same stuff. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, did not expect that. Like, I really want to get back to it and see what it's like. But I just haven't had the uh, uh, haven't had the time. And, uh, man, it's like I can sort of see how people are like really get into the near stories and i'm sure you kind of have an idea of what i'm talking about since you played automata oh um, yeah 100 percent. i actually like because so much of uh of thomas's story is is you know, relies on the original nears i didn't play the original near but i i did a lot of youtube research and watched like a couple of primers so mm-hmm. i understood kind of the context for everything going into automata and then as i hit those plot points it kind of filled in the things that I didn't quite understand. And now, after having beaten Automata, I kind of feel like I know generally the whole story of what happened before it and enough of it to, like, make Automata make sense. Yeah. So, yeah, it really, it does rely heavily on it. And I think you're doing it right by playing the first game, in like, uh, all the way through. But if you don't have time, there really, I had a great time even just doing, like, the YouTube di- Digest version and then oh, going yeah. from there. Oh yeah, I mean that's the, that's the thing is I, I and I've mentioned it before the the YouTuber named Clemps and how he's been going through this and yeah. he has his own thing for Automata starting up. I I do really want to watch his video on the original Nier once I finish it because I feel like he might catch something that I might have missed. Uh, right, because he is a true lover of that of this series. Um, so that's uh that's really cool to me. But again, just on its own basis, like it was really invest I got really invested in it I, I it's also going to be a lot quicker because I did a I did every single side quest oh you uh, wow ever okay I did like 92% of the ones in in near or I, uh, sorry in, in automata but that's a lot yeah I did 100% of the side quests and I, I mean I feel like it's but what how you were saying the side quests go in aut, aut, uh, automata it mm-hmm. sounds like it's a little bit more interesting story-wise like you get a few interesting stories here and there but nothing i feel like nothing that i felt really fleshed out the world sure uh, they, they felt kind of basic in a lot of ways some of them stand, stand, stood out absolutely um but you know there's others i had to do like i made sure to, i had to look up like there is this one where you you had to get these specific flowers and you have a garden, so you have to plant flowers, but you can't get mm-hmm. the seed for the flowers that you need. In order to get the seeds, you have to plant flowers and cross-pollinate, which the game Ugh. never tells you you can do. Jeez, okay. So, and then you have to, and then it's a random chance sort of thing of it actually happening. So, the quickest, it actually is real time with growing. Well, not real time, but you have to wait for a day to pass. So, if you're doing this normal. It would take forever, you know. You have to oh, yeah. wait to the next day and keep playing and all that stuff. And no, I and everybody recommends just just move your time forward, <laughs> you know. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, just move the PlayStation time, PlayStation Three's time forward. Take care of it that way. Take care of it, you know, just get done. And I did it. I did all of them. I don't know if I'll get anything special out of it or anything like that, but I have plenty of cash. I am well, rolling. There you in, go. I am rolling in money and trying to get all the weapons. I I think I'm missing like one or two weapons because I made. I I, th- I think I made a mistake in one area, which I can correct um, with this second playthrough and actually uh, get a weapon I might have missed. I think that's where I missed the one weapon I need to get. So we'll see oh, okay. how this all goes. And 
Yeah, maybe eventually finish near. <laughs> nice. Well, I do recommend one other YouTuber, actually. I I think her name was Valkyrie Aurora, and uh-huh. she's also like a hardcore near fan. And she has like lore videos explaining everything you need to know going up to Automata. So, and she even goes all, all the way back as far as Drakengard, or yeah. Drakengard, however you say it. So she covers the everything, and uh, yeah, so I, if you're looking for a second reference by any chance, I would recommend her channel. Yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those things where it's fun to see different perspectives on this, because it is yeah. just so interpretive in how it's handled. And I'm, it's, it's one of those things like, yeah, yeah, I do want to see multiple people and see what they have to say about these games and get into it. And uh, it's not part of our news topics, but I did see that Nier Autonoma, Automata excuse me, has mm. reached 2.5 million sales. Which yeah, which is, is great. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, especially with all the marketing that uh, Square put behind Automata, I think it's safe to say. In fact, I don't know if there's a rumor. I feel like I heard a rumor that the third game is already, or another game is already in pre-production or something like that. But either way, you know, given how much of a commercial success Automata has turned out to be, I feel like a, another near game is pretty much a lock at this mm-hmm. point. And I think Yoko Taro has really – like he was sort of this cult personality before. But yeah. I think with his, his whole thing going through with Nier Automata uh, and how he was uh, dressed and whatnot and hiding and just his eccentricities and how he's just yeah. very frank about everything has made a lot of people big, big fans. Like I'm a big fan of him. Like he is really like this Me too. fascinating f- person and just the, the way he handles things. And uh, it, I remember the, when – we first heard of him. It was just this weird guy and the weird smiley head. Like, what the <laughs> heck am I watching here? Like, what is this? I, right. I did not understand it at all. But then I played near and like, oh, I get the face now. And oh, right. I, you know, I, I get all this and see how he is. And then you read the interviews about how he feels about certain things. I'm like, okay, yeah, this uh-huh. guy's uh, this guy's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, like in many ways to me, he's becoming like like not the new Hideo Kojima, but like. You know, because Hideo Kojima is still around and doing his own stuff, but I feel like he's very kind of crazy seeming in the same way that Kojima is. He just, he has they that, just seem nutty in the same way, and yeah, I love it. He has that auteur feeling. Yeah, very auteur, very uh, just kind of marching to the beat of his own drum and just having a very different uh, perspective on things and on game development that really bleeds through in the way he designs his games. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to more Yoko Taro games for the same reason that I have long looked forward to new Kojima games like Death Stranding. I know that no matter what Death Stranding (laughs) turns out to be, it's going to be a trip and so bizarre. And that's exactly what I know Yoko Taro games will be. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm I'm totally down for it. Like Like I said, I other than the stuff I have to do for review, I want to play. I want to get through Near and Near Automata, and then I'll get to hopefully some of the other games I missed last year. But there's so many games coming this year, who knows how that's going to go? <laughs> I know. I mean, I have to say, it has been nice with 2018 being a bit, well, quite a bit less uh, crazy in terms of just constant amazing releases. Like, I mean, just think, last year this time, we had just gotten both Horizon and Breath of the Wild, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. And now it just feels like we got Kirby today, which is cool. And, you know, there's been some scattered, you know, exciting releases, but it doesn't just feel like one after the other like it did in 2017, which has enabled me to to somewhat get caught up. I I do find myself sitting down to just play like a round of Pac-Man Championship Edition 2 on Switch. I'm like, okay, I'm going to play one round and then move on to like trying to finish a game that I haven't finished yet, like Secret of Mana. But I just end up playing Pac-Man for like an hour because I love that game so much. <laughs> but um, but it is nice having more time to just focus on games that are already out and, and that I'm still working on because 2017 was not good for that. 
Yeah, not really. Like I'm still like I still need to go back. Like I, I got a lot of these great games from last year, and I still need to play. I'm like I got Near Automaton. I'm playing a game from <laughs> what 2010 or something like that with Near. It's like oh my gosh, yeah. what is wrong with me? <laughs> hey, you know what? It happens. I've got games from years ago that I oh, God, never yeah. got around to playing very much either. Because just you know, you you have the best of intentions, but then. You know, you get you get caught up in work, you get caught up in life. Other games come out. It's just you know, it's it's a mm-hmm. vicious cycle. I, I I don't know about you, but have you ever dreamed about retirement and just being able to sit down and get, actually get through your backlog? I have never dreamt about that, but that sounds like a great dream. Give me your dreams. <laughs> yeah, it's just like one of those things. It's like man. Just imagine being retired, got in my house, don't need to worry about anything, hopefully. Uh, and it's like, okay, I have this huge collection I've built up over the years. Let's finally sit down and start playing some of these games. <laughs> yeah. No, see, my gaming dreams always tend to be pretty, like, depressing because they're usually about, like, dream announcements that I really want to happen but never oh. would. But I dream that they did. So I'll wake up and be like, oh, man. Like, I, I, I know at one point I dreamt about a, about a uh, about Square announcing a theater rhythm game for Switch. And I'm oh, like, man, I was I so excited because I'm like, yeah, of course I woke up and it was nothing. But... Yeah, there have been other, I can't remember exactly what, but I usually will just, like, dream of announcements happening that would be really cool, and then I'll wake up and, no, they weren't real. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Kid Icarus on Switch. That was one. A Switch version of Kid Icarus Uprising. That was something I had a really nice dream about. It needs to happen. Yes, it does. Yeah, I would, mm, I'd I'd pay really whatever they ask for that, honestly. The game is so brilliant. Uh, Yeah, I love that game. Yeah. But, uh, well... Not too much else really going on. It's, it's been yeah. getting uh, stuff ready and covering all the little news that's popped up. And yeah, it's been uh, like it's hard to keep track of things sometimes. You like I get to like a lot of times I was like, man, it is it feels like a Friday or something like that. Like it just feels like it should be the end of the week. And no, it's Tuesday. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> what is going uh, on? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just it, it's crazy how fast things have been going. Like I just can't believe it's already halfway through March. Of 2018, yeah. like where the, where's the time gone? It's crazy. I have no idea. It is yep. something else. And then, like literally, and and before I know it, May is going to be here, and then it's going to be time for the Switch versions of Mega Man Legacy Collection One and Two, and there's Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection coming, and that's just you know. Then June is coming, and that's E3. How's already <laughs> almost E3 time again? Which for me, I really just like to call it Mega Man 11 time because that'll be my first chance to play it. Well, let's hope so. Um, it's it's got to be there. There's oh, yeah, no there's, way Capcom would announce it late last year, and it wouldn't be. Do you think we're actually going to let you get away and play Mega Man 11 when there's Smash to cover? <laughs> I mean, I, I will find a way. Are you kidding me? I got to. Plus, I mean, it's, as important as Smash is, you know there will be a certain contingency of our fan base who will riot no, no, if I, I totally don't come you. back from E3 with Mega Man 11 impressions. <laughs> no, I, I, I can honestly envision how E3 is going to go. Oh yeah, it's going to be you three going on a constant loop of getting smash matches coming back to me, and I'm just probably on a, like, lo- let's all right, render load, render load, render load. Yeah. Because if, there, if there's one kind of memory I had from Smash Wii U, it was, uh, and when it was at E3, it mm-hmm. was there's never you can never get too much footage because every match is different, and people love watching these matches and seeing how the gameplay actually goes. It is exactly. infinite potential. It's like, okay, I've seen this happen. Like, we showed Mario Odyssey's demo how many times trying to get new things, but it was still basically the same stuff. And people watched, but it was, it, felt, it did feel repetitious. It never feels quite as repetitious with Smash. Right. When, you know, there's just, it, again, it's a different match. 
Yeah, well, and it'll be interesting to see, too, because, uh, you know, it was also kind of weird with the way they did 3DS and Wii U. I very vividly remember that E3 where we were trying to capture stuff from both 3DS and Wii U, oh, God, yeah. which is really strange. And then, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how our how our what our approach to Smash Switch coverage is like, because we still don't know how much of this has anything to do with Smash 4. So if, like, the roster is, is based on the, on the skeleton of Smash 4 which I kind of think it might still be, then a lot of that may already be, depending on how much stuff has changed, we may already have a lot of that. It's just kind of hard to know, really, exactly what's going to be changed versus what might not be. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, so far, is seeing more than not is going to be changed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, and I think it's... I, even if there is, is very little change, people are still going to want to see it. True, see true, it yeah. So... Yeah. Well, I know I can't wait. Between that and Mega Man 11, my, my E3 is already looking to be fantastic i'm so and i guess now uh i mean we'll probably get to play a little sneak peek of sonic mania plus which i feel serves as a pretty nice segue yeah yeah i mean we already talked about this in a full discussion so i don't want to uh spend sure. too much time on it but yeah we got uh sonic mania plus coming and yeah let's get in we're getting into our news topics of course but yeah sonic mania plus is coming and uh, we're getting new playable characters new sonic racing title all kinds of fun little stuff that we can see but uh you, you mentioned Sonic Mania Plus. It's like, man, what it would it be like if they actually had Kingdom Hearts 3 playable at E3? Oh, I, 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 ex- I expect it, man. You, I, no, you I, I think Square's already confirmed that they're announcing the release date at E3. And I mean, dude, if if they're saying Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out 2018 and they're still claiming that, it's got to be playable at E3. Mm-hmm. Like, unless the only place they have it playable prior to release is TGS, which I guess that's possible since we're talking about Square. But, man, I would be shocked if, if some Kingdom Hearts 3 playable demo was not here E3 in advance of the release later this year. Yeah, absolutely. That just has to be, ha- and that would be, I know you and I both will want to oh God, yeah. lean into that heavily <laughs> and get everything we can out of that. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be something else, that's for sure. But yeah, yeah, anyway, getting back into the news topics this week. Uh, next bit of news we have here beyond uh, Sonic. Again, if you want to hear more of our thoughts on Sonic Media Plus, uh, we do have a discussion up on, on the channel, so you guys can... Yeah, we had a great discussion with John, so check that out uh, if you can. Yep. Uh, anyway, the revenue earned by the Switch version of Blossom Tales is 20 times that of the Steam version's <laughs> lifetime sales, which is incredible in and of itself, but I've actually read a, a bunch of reports from a lot of these guys that worked on Blossom Tales, and apparently things were looking like hard times for them. Like They were like kind of in a bad way. Really? I hadn't heard that. So you mean when they were finishing up the Switch port of Blossom Tales, they were kind of in a bad way? Oh, yeah. Like, there was, like, basically, like, oh, God, we're, like, kind of out of money as far as I can tell. It's just like, well, what are we going to do? So it was, like, this one last desperate Hail Mary, and fortunately it paid off. I'm so glad it did because I don't think you've played it yet, but Andre and I have, and Blossom Tales really is just a really – it's a good game. It's a good, solid 2D Zelda-like, and – there aren't really that, you know, there is no 2D Zelda on Switch yet. There probably will be eventually. But in the meantime, if you want that itch scratch, it's a really, really good stand-in for a 2D Zelda. And uh, I had a good time with it. And of course, you know, being a Nintendo system, it's the perfect place for Blossom Tales. So I'm really glad they were able to get it out on Switch before they ran out of money. And obviously it's worked out for them because look at that revenue. 20 times Steam's lifetime sales. Of course, now in context, we don't know what Blossom Tales' lifetime sales on Steam were, but still, Mm -hmm. 
20 times anything unless it's like zero or one is, <laughs> is going to be pretty impressive so i feel like it's got to be good yeah it, I, I think so it's one of those things like i'm i'm going to be going to pax east this year uh cover anything that nintendo might show and rather than fly i think i'm going to take the train oh nice and because uh, it's just going to be a little cheaper and oh sure sure the train is nicer <laughs> it really is yeah it is like i me going up to those new york events uh for for Nintendo, it's just like yeah, sold me so much on train travel. I'm like, oh my, oh gosh, I love this is like heavy. yeah. I don't usually have a lot of context under which I need to take the train, but I I will always jump at the chance to because they're yeah, you get to stretch out. They're just they're much comfortable. It's a much more comfortable way to travel. You like got you a said, plug right planes. there. You can you yeah, can charge your stuff. You can have you know the views um, nice. Yeah, exactly. Views nice. Yeah. Look over to the countryside. I can just stretch out and. Another thing that's sort of been a, a, a um, I don't know, rite of passage, not even rite right of passage, just this thing I always do, is I'll pick up some new indie games and play them as I'm on the train for my Switch. Nice. Uh, and I think this time I'll probably pick up both Celeste and Blossom Tales on my oh, Switch. Oh, two, both choices, or great choices. Yeah, yeah I've heard fantastic. S- uh, you guys have raved about Celeste. Uh, tons of people have raved about Celeste, so I need to pick yeah. it up. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. No, you can't go wrong with either of those games. So, yeah, yeah, I think you'll have a good time. I think so. So, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But uh, nice. Anyway, uh, next bit of news we got here is uh, the Ace Attorney anime is getting a second season this fall, and it's, it's actually its first season is still is in the process of either it's getting done, it's like it's releasing the dub slowly as far, as part of Funimation's releases or it's already been released as far as a full DVD set or Blu-ray set. I can't quite remember. I do know that the English version of the dub is uh, English dub is out there and it probably feels a little closer to what people are, expe- uh, are used to Ace Attorney uh, as far as like all the names and the puns and stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I didn't think it would get a second season. And not that I watched the first season, but I just remember, like, I feel like I heard secondhand that people really didn't like the first season. Like, it just was not a very good anime so far. But maybe that's, maybe I'm misremembering. I, no, I remember, I remember quite a bit of um, complaints about it, especially since it was not the best animated. There's a lot of animation mistakes and not looking the best at a lot of times. And, I guess it just didn't flow well or something like that. I didn't watch it myself, so I don't know what the exact complaints are. But I also right. know it only it only adapted the first two games, so this second season is of Trials and Tribulations. I think that's the third one. Uh, yeah, that's the third one. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. An adaptation of uh, Trials and Tribulations, and that's the best game in the series so, uh, story-wise. Oh, well, I am so there. <laughs> yeah, no, that that would be, that's definitely the best part of the original trilogy, that game, and just all the crazy, you know, story developments and trials that happen within the context of the third game. So that, if any if any part of the anime is going to be super exciting, it would have to be that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely curious about that one. So maybe I'll go back and actually watch the dub of the uh, first season and... Um, I, I, I mean, with my whole thing now of um, watching, uh, following along with anime released each season and uh, narrowing it down along with this uh, YouTube group I watch, um, I might end up watching it anyway when it comes out in the fall. So. Oh, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't mind certainly checking it out. I mean, my wife and I are both huge Ace Attorney fans, which I know I've talked about at some point <laughs> on this podcast. So. Yeah, I mean, we've already loved playing the games together, so watching the anime would be, just, I think, just as fun. Yeah, I think so. 
Uh, let's see. Next bit of news we got here is that according to Amazon, uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4 is releasing on October 16th in the U.S., which feels a little late for me. I'm a little worried it might get buried at that time because mm-hmm. I'm not sure what else is getting released in October. Right. Um, but I will be picking it up and hopefully playing it because I hope that game is good. <laughs> I am... I'm uh, look. I'm really looking forward to finishing up either of the games I'm streaming, so I can actually get to uh, Valkyria, Valkyria Chronicles, the original one, and show mm-hmm. people why this series is so worth playing. Yeah, well, and and apparently, uh, I, I know, or at least I heard that Valkyria, Valkyria Revolution was not well received at all. Like apparently, mm-hmm. not at all. Like people hated it. I heard. I saw review scores in the in the like around twos and threes, Oof. and I was like really surprised by that because it's the Valkyria series. You, that has a certain you know quality to it, just by you know by association of its name. So you'd think that wouldn't happen, but I guess it just it uh, kind of took its own creative liberties with the, with the story and the world in which it takes place, and was kind of an offshoot that people just didn't really warm up to. So. Mm. Hopefully, this being the new numbered game in the series really makes a big difference and is really what people want. I hope so, and I also hope that if it is successful enough, is give me a two and three port. <laughs> you know, I know, right? It would be great to have like a console, like even a Switch port, yeah, of, of two and three. I think that would be really cool. Even though I don't know, you'd think that Sega could have taken any number of opportunities to release, you know, three in English all these years but especially well, if they think four is worth localizing is, is going to be a good sales success think? i th- i think what happened there is that um one sold extremely well on steam like because uh-huh. of the sales and whatnot so it did very well it finally got noticed it had i think the net numbers started supporting it so we're like okay we'll release a new game because you know valkyria chronicles did okay in the west not great um but two, I think, did a lot better because it was on portable, and the Japan loves their portable. And when two sold um, much, much better in the uh, in Japan than the, than the states, because well, who's playing on their PSP? They decided not to release three, right? Because the sales weren't there. Which yeah, I mean, and I think <laughs> it's too bad too because I know I did the art book while I was still with Udon uh, editing art books with them. I did the art book for Valkyria Chronicles two and three actually. And uh, two, I think another problem people have with two is not just the fact that it was on PSP and so few people were playing it in the U.S. at the time, but also that it, it kind of had this uh, high school sim yeah. flavor to it. And, and a lot of people, I don't like they aged down a lot of the main characters and it was about a military academy versus like an actual military squad. And I think that really didn't sit well with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. It seemed to go in a lot more tropish than yeah the original did. But then Valkyria Chronicles 3, if, if I remember correctly, the baseline behind that is that it's actually, like, I think it takes place during the first game, but it's, like, of a black ops squad that's behind the scenes. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So I know, yeah, so based on what I, the art book, I did, like, the Val- Valkyria Chronicles 3 art book, it's really cool. It it, uh, it follows this squad that kind of, as you said, operated behind the scenes while uh, Welkin Squad does its thing or does their thing during Valkyria Chronicles 1. So it takes place at the same time as 1, but it's kind of a parallel story. And you find out, you know, kind of like this other squad, some of the things they did to help enable Welkin's squad to do what they were able to do. So it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't blame you. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you, you really, for better and worse, you can get the entire story in Udon's, you know, the art book, but it's, of course, <laughs> not the same as playing it. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean... There's something about playing it yourself and getting attached oh, to the yeah. characters that way, and totally, I, I hear you. 
yeah. But yeah, I'm going to do my best to get people interested in this game, and hopefully it's a good one, because I want to review, I want to play it and hopefully review it. I hope to. Like, I just hope there's nothing around it that prevents me from actually being able to do it. That's the only, that's the biggest fear, is like, I have the will, I can probably get a review copy, because we're pretty good with Sega and Atlas yeah. as far as that side of things is concerned. Uh, that's why we were able to get the Yakuza 0 review this week. Um but if or something, Yakuza Six, you mean? Yeah, Yakuza Six. Sorry. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of Yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, I, I just hope there's nothing else around there. <laughs> Give me the time yeah. I need to beat the play and beat this because I so want to champion it. <laughs> so what what do you want to get it on? Because this would be the kind of game if I was going to get Valkyria Chronicles Four, and I might. This would be the game that I or kind of game I would get on PS4 because it seems like the kind of game that really would have. You know, a significant difference in visual parity between consoles. Yeah, that's the that's the weird thing for me is I would if I if I'm not able to review this or anything like that, I would probably get it on PS4 myself mm-hmm. because I do associate this with the PlayStation. However, right. if for our audience, I think it'd probably be better to get the Switch version. Sure. And go base on that, and then maybe I'll just go buy the PS4 version that way I can still support the the yeah. series. Uh, Makes it's sense. Just one of those things. So yeah. Plus, then I'd also have a physical copy, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's probably what I do. But again, I just hope there's nothing else around that time that I can actually uh, do this review. We'll see. Right. Uh, next bit of news we have here is uh, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection has a Switch. Ex- a sw- Excuse me, a Switch exclusive tabletop tournament mode using Street Fighter uh, Super Street Fighter 2's tournament mode. And I think you understand this better than I do. So, there's a tournament mode now? Well, it's it's weird. I, I think I do, but I also don't because that the I think this was broken by Game Informer, and even they go into in the in, in the article about it, even they talk about how confusing it can get like trying to set this up, mm-hmm. but I think what it is is it's Super Street Fighter 2 has a built-in tournament mode, and I think this Switch-exclusive mode is based on that, where I guess you set up multiple Switches, and, you know, they're all linked together, and then you start the tournament, and it's like a musical chairs type thing, where the tournament is set up, so after every match, you move to the right, Hmm. and you play like that. And again, I don't know how this would actually work in practice, and even, again, I think it's Game Informer, even they were saying, you know, they tried to do it, and by the end of it, they were all confused as to which Joy-Con with with, with which oh, Switch no. and which one each person was supposed to use. So it does feel like there would need to be a, li- a little real-life planning needed to also to be able to use this mode efficiently. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of cool that, this, that the Switch version is getting a, any sort of exclusive tournament mode that kind of makes use of what the Switch can do, even if it isn't that actually that wieldy, I guess. Yeah, that, that that's sort of the sense I got. It's like, oh, cool. It's like we have something to make our ver- the the Switch version stand out beyond the others. It'd just be nice if it was maybe a little bit more user friendly, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, of course, yeah. But this is all secondhand. I haven't gotten to try this myself, of course. So uh, it was just something that I that I came across as I was uh, you know looking for news this week, and also because I am actually actively interested and excited about Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection, just because even if I'm not good at Street Fighter, I really do love these games, and that probably came through in my review of Ultra Street Fighter 2 last year, but yeah, I'm looking forward to checking this out and hopefully reviewing this, because you know, these are great games, even if I suck at them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You can enjoy the 
crazy characters and exactly insane stories and stuff. Like I love that. the world of Street Fighter. So even if I'm yeah. not good at the games, I just love the characters and just you know just the wacky interactions and just it's got a cool vibe to it. Ash, you should know. You should know by now. You should just go home and be a family man. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one. Uh, the only one I can think of right now is I'm the strongest woman in the world, and that doesn't quite fit. So. <laughs> no, I don't think so. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you must defeat Shang Long to stand a chance, even though that was uh, you know a mistranslation from the beginning. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, speaking of fighting games, uh, Soul Calibur Six has re- uh, has revealed their third party guest character, which is Geralt from the Witcher series. And this seems like a good pick. I, I picked up Witcher 3, just haven't had time to play it because apparently it is a massive, massive game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's hard to get started on that. But I've always been kind of interested in the Witcher series. I've heard a lot of great things. And looking at his design, he fits in so freaking well with the Soul Calibur cast. He does. He, like Personally, I'm not that interested in Geralt as a character just because I haven't played the Witcher Three, even though I know the, or I think it's the whole Witcher series, I guess. But mm-hmm. I hear the Witcher Three is amazing, and I think he's a good fit. I'm just like not personally that excited about him, I guess. But I think it's a good, it's a good pick based on you know the kind of characters you see in that franchise. I think the the weird thing to me is that they also revealed the box art, and the box art could not be more boring. It's just <laughs> literally, it's just Mitsurugi and Geralt side by side with like a sword in the middle or something in the middle. And I'm like, you've got this entire roster of like weird-looking characters, both humans and not, that use all manner of different weapons. And you're going to pick like the two most generic-looking swordsmen <laughs> for your cover. But I digress. But I just don't quite get that. But I, uh, I think fans will be happy with Gerald. Yeah, I'm trying to think Geralt. about the other Soul Calibur uh, covers, and none of them, none of the other Soul Calibur games really yeah. have that great of covers either. Good point. Maybe like. Two, but it's, I mean, they also had an yeah. interesting gimmick there where they had the guest character in the center and a bunch of different characters surrounding him on the outskirts. Right, uh, so right. So you got a better so, sense. So I don't know. I, I mean, they haven't confirmed Talim yet, so I'm not a guaranteed buy. I so. know. I'm still waiting for Talim. I still I feel like she's got to be coming back, but uh, I don't know. It's weird they haven't revealed her yet. So <laughs> Needs to happen. It does. But, oh, well. Anyway, last bit of news we got this week is uh, that Shadow of the Tomb Raider was announced with a teaser and is releasing on September 14th. And uh, the teaser really doesn't reveal much about this game. And we've kind of known about about it for a while. It was kind of leaked thanks to somebody having it open on their laptop and somebody (laughs) else spotting it. It was so awkward when that happened. Yeah, it's like, whoops. Yeah. Uh, Um, but I'm excited for it. That's the thing. I really enjoyed both of the, uh, the these Tomb Raider remakes. I thought they, I think they've come across a really good formula. I think the story of Tomb Raider uh, one, for lack of a better term, is better than two's. But uh-huh. two did improve the gameplay quite a bit. So if they yeah. can find a way to balance that, give give us a good story and a, some excellent gameplay. I am totally there. And best of all, it is not a timed release this time. That yes. hurt me so much when it was a timed uh, a timed exclusive for the Xbox, and it lasted for so long. Yeah, it was like exclusive to the Xbox One for a year, I think. Yeah, which is Which, yeah, ridiculous. I'm glad that's not, that's not the case this time as well. And uh, I really, I'm, I'm with you, Derek. I really like the rebooted Tomb Raider. I know it's very divisive among fans, but personally, I'm a fan, and I think that might be because... 
I never really got into the old school Tomb Raider games. They just weren't my cup of tea. But I love this new version of Lara Croft, and uh, I, I really like the first reboot game. I got a little more than halfway through it, and I still want to go back and play it because I really enjoyed it. I have not gotten to play Rise of the Tomb Raider, but what you said about it is basically what I've heard is that the story's kind of meh, but the gameplay's improved, and those visuals, oh my god, I did mm-hmm. play the demo, and the visuals are amazing, so I really do want to play it, and hopefully I can before Shadow comes out, because I guess they, what I've heard is they've envisioned this as a trilogy, so this may actually be the end of this particular part of the story, or particular reboot, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say, but it, it would make sense, because the end of... Um uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. It d- did lead directly into like, okay, I got to take these people on, and right, okay. I'm guessing that's what's going to be happening uh, here. So yeah, I mean, uh, it, that's pretty cool. The only the, the only problem with the two is that they did the whole thing where uh, this shadow organization was actually part of this, like had r- their fingers into the events in the original one. I'm like, don't do that. Don't try to retcon in this, this shadow yeah. organization that is always boring <laughs> right right but oh well um, oh you know speaking of tomb raider though i should ask really quick are you planning on seeing the new movie at all i don't know it, i've not yeah. heard great things and me neither it's i mean it, it seems to have a it, it, last i looked it had a 50 percent on rotten tomatoes which is sadly <laughs> better than usual for video game movies <laughs> but yeah uh i don't know if it's any I don't know if I want to spend the time time or money on it. Like it's cool no, that they're trying to you. reach the twenty thirteen. But I also uh, got spoiled on something. Not spoiled, but I read on something that about the the twist of this movie. And I read that I was like, oh, that's a shame. It's like, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, okay. Like it's. All right. I mean, I'll tell you after the podcast. We don't spoil it for anybody because I don't think you care either. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it, it's like one of those movies that maybe I'll rent on you know from Redbox when I just want you know something random to watch. Like me and my wife and I will sometimes just watch random movies. We don't know if they're actually that good, but it's something that we're interested in enough at least, and we have a good time laughing if it's bad. Mm-hmm. So you know that this feels like one of those movies where we can enjoy it enough and just laugh at the you know the bad parts. Yeah, I think that'd be probably the best way to do it. And I've I've yeah. had I've seen people say that they enjoyed this one. So who knows? Maybe it's better than you think. Yeah, I have actually heard the the one per, uh, consistent bit of praise I've heard for it is that apparently I think her name's Alicia Vikander or whatever her name uh-huh. is. She's apparently a really like a good Lara Croft, even if the movie around her isn't great. I keep hearing people say she's actually pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So well, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe check it out. Yeah. Have time. But, uh, yeah, that's all the news for this week, so let's go ahead and jump into our Patreon topics. As always, for just $1 a month, you guys can support us on Patreon, get these podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as offer up topics like the ones we have here. So, uh, Ash, why don't you go ahead and start us off? All right, well, my topic this week comes from Evan, who asks, what is your favorite cheesy line from a video game? And... Man, you you spoke to me with that question because I love cheesiness in general, but I also really just like, you know, bad voice acting. And when you get those two together, like cheesy lines with bad voice acting, it's even better. So, uh, yeah, I prepared a few here. And uh, (laughs) let's see here. I think I'm going to start with Sonic Heroes because I don't know the full quote anymore. I forgot it. But toward the end of the game, when uh, they... The final battle's about to happen, and they're all about mm-hmm. to fight Metal Overlord. 
Sonic says something really stupid about like the true superpower of, of teamwork or something, and yeah. it, it's really we'll, we'll show you the real superpower of teamwork. It's yeah, yeah. we'll show you the the real superpower of teamwork, and it's just really really bad. Um, but another one that I've always really liked, and even though I haven't played uh, I haven't played the game all the way through, I I've seen enough of it to know the context for the scene, and that's Devil May Cry. And toward the end of the game... I know exactly. That's the one I was thinking of. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, so there's a scene toward the end of the game where it looks like Trish has died and, and Dante is like, you know, freaking out. He's holding her lifeless body in his hands and he's just so sad. And he belts out this incredible line where he goes, I should have been the one to fill your dark soul with light! And it's so stupid. And actually, I didn't do it that well, but the, the voice actor for Dante, his voice actually cracks. Oh, yeah, it totally light. cracks. It's so, so it's like, I should have been the one to fill your dark soul with light. Yeah. It's it, so bad. Oh, it is It is awful, especially when, about the entire time they're like pumping up Dante as this badass, which right. they kind of got, they, they do that very well in the beginning and you kind of get the sense from his movements, but you don't really see it much from the gameplay itself. Exactly, and, and then you get the lines like that. Like, I I feel feel like they didn't nail Dante's character until Devil May Cry three. Yeah, and, that seems like it. Yeah, that seems about right. Um, God, that line. <laughs> oh, I know. And then of course uh, I've got a couple more. I've got to I've got to call out Kingdom Hearts here because Kingdom Hearts has so many. But one of my favorite you know favorite lines of the entire series series actually goes right back to the first game toward the end. It's actually during the final battle uh, with. Uh, Xehanort's heartless or handsome, whatever you want to call him, oh, handsome yeah. seeker of darkness, where uh, <laughs> where Sora goes, uh, the heart may be weak, and sometimes it may even give in, but deep down, I've learned there's a light that never goes out, and I'm just sitting here on the sofa like, oh, this is so cool, even though it's dumb. Who says things like that? <laughs> no, like, I was thinking so of good. actually, actually, of Ansem uh, line during there is like, uh, Kingdom Hearts, fill me with the power of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, like darkness fills all worlds, yeah, or something, or like, something that. like that. Like he's reaching towards Kingdom Hearts as the door opens, and it's like, I believe Kingdom Hearts is light, and then he gets showered yeah. with it. It's like, well, thanks for that convenience. <laughs> I know it's so good. I, I I feel like if you were to like count up all the times like darkness appears in Kingdom Hearts as one script, I feel like it would make up at least like twenty percent of that whole script. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they say darkness so many times. It's amazing. Um, well, I have one more, and it's, good. it's a fan favorite one, but I have to do this one because it's just it's one of the all-time greats, and you'll get it as soon as I start doing it, and that is, Die, monster. You don't belong in this world. It was not by my hand that I'm once again given flesh. I was called here by humans who wish to pay me tribute. Tribute? You steal men's souls and make them your slaves. Perhaps the same could be said of all religions. Your words are as empty as your soul. Mankind ill needs a savior such as you. What is a man? A miserable little pile of secrets. But enough talk. Have at you. And that, of course, is from Castlevania Symphony of the uh-huh. Night's opening, which is one of the best cheesy series of cheesy lines. Oh, God, yeah. Games that ever. entire script. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. I was like looking through the whole script like, which one do I want to do? But I'm like, I the mean, opening is too iconic. I have to. That said, like as, as bad as the script is... I do love Alucard's voice. Oh, me too. And he would go on to do like various other uh, like voice, like video game roles. I think. I think he's uh, someone I've heard over oh. and over again in games. 
Oh my gosh, that is good. Although I am really surprised you left one out. I thought this one was going to be your on your the final one on your list. Oh, we are, well, I was thinking of Mega Man X4. Is that what you're talking yep. about? Zeros? What am, what am I was I thinking I didn't for? want to take too much time, but yeah, like, uh, let's see. How does it start? He's what like, am I fighting uh, for? Oh, that's that's the end of it, but he actually oh, yeah. starts with, no, this isn't happening. It's <laughs> like, no, this isn't happening. It's too... Something, but I can't go on. Why can't I... What? What am I fighting for? Yeah, but it starts with, no, this isn't happening. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I. You basically took a lot of the big ones. I'm trying to think of any others that you did not th- mention or anything like that. Just blanking on it. But oh, I'm, sorry to take all the good ones. I know that's all right. I mean, that's that's the that's. I mean, there are classics for a reason, and yeah, it's just so wonderful when you get that right combination of yeah. Uh, I know. I know. Right. And bad voice acting and. Uh, whatnot. I, I do have a fondness for uh, from Mega Man uh, uh, Maverick Hunter X. Oh yeah, uh, when, for sure. When uh, Vile goes a charge shot. I don't. It's such oh. a simple line. It's just like, yeah. I know. No, not no, a charge yeah. That's it. Shot. Not a charge shot. It's so stupid. Especially because it's like a charge shot. Really. All right. <laughs> yeah. It was so cheesy. When like actually most of the rest of the voice acting in that game is good. Wasn't. Yeah, yeah, but like that was like no, not a charge shot, and it was like, come on, Viler, you are you kidding me? <laughs> well, uh, in in the absence of since I took all the all the good ones, I guess I'll I can close this question with the X four quote you were talking about. I'll give our fans a little. Oh, bit you of, you uh, actually looked it up? Yeah. Okay. So here we go. All right, Iris, Iris, zero, hang in there, Iris. Please stay away from Reptiforce. <laughs> Let's live together in a world where only Reploids exist. Iris, there is no world just for Reploids. It's only a fantasy. Yes, I know, but I wanted to believe it. I wanted to live in a world where only Reploids exist. With you. Iris. 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 (laughs) No, this isn't happening. There's no reason for me to go on. What? What am I fighting for? You were too good at that. I, I, I've you've like probably seen that, that scene so many times at this point. Oh, are you kidding me? Like I've yeah, I basically memorized X 4s entire script. Uh-huh. Same with eight because it's like I mean I had to look up this one specifically, but once I saw the lines, I'm like I know all the character inflections. I know <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly how they say every line. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And this was bad voice acting with Ash Paulson. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, bad, bad voice acting with Ash Paulson. There you go. Oh goodness, that is that is amazing. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you so much for the question, Evan. That was a lot of fun. And uh, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, okay, I have to do some silly voice acting on the, for oh, this Oh, yeah. Question. I'm just so. glad. I, I'm incapable of that. I, I always just, uh, I don't know, I, I flub it so bad. I can't yeah. do it. But uh, that was entertaining as hell. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I guess uh, a certain part of uh, you know the chip or what is it, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. So I guess I've learned something from watching my dad <laughs> do all his voice acting stuff over the years. Yeah, exactly. Man, I yeah. wish he had. I'm sure he has some sort of cheesy lines. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. He, well, he has a, uh, quite a few in uh, Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes. Oh, yeah. Because he plays Gray Fox, and he's just like Snake. Hurt me more, and it was just like I, it's so ridiculous. That that role is so different from everything else he does. It is I know weird that he got that. That's why I love that he did it because it was so yeah. It's so unlike the rest of his stuff. Like, it's like no, I don't like when it. 
I do not think of Rob Paulson the badass. <laughs> no, not at all. And and I and I always I think I've probably said this on the podcast before, but I'll never remember how weird it was seeing the cutscene after that after the boss fight. I think it's the first boss fight with Gray Fox. The cutscene after Snake just kicks his ass, and you know. I can tell you, you know, if you are related to a voice actor, you're never going to hear just their characters. You're going to hear, you know, their voice because you're related to them. So, you know, in that cutscene where uh, Gray Fox is getting his ass kicked by Snake, it sounds like my dad's getting his ass kicked. And it was really, really making me uncomfortable. And I'm like, I don't think I like this at all. Yeah, I got to do all that foley and you got to make it sound realistic. So, yeah, I mean, it sounded like my dad was really just getting his ass kicked by Snake. And I'm like, this isn't, I don't think I like the way <laughs> yeah, it sounds. Like, Damn it, David Hayter, leave, leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So mean. Jeez. <laughs> right. But anyway, thank you again, Evan. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. So it was. Thanks for that. All right. Well, my topic comes from Red Racks. I thought this one was kind of interesting. I asked, what is it like to work with an embargo in other non disclosure documents? And it's one of those behind-the-scenes things that, you know, you don't really think about too much when you're doing it, but, you know, it's something a lot of people are not familiar with at all, really. Yeah. And, you know, the best example of that is, like, usually we'll get sent either a code or the game itself, uh, depends on how how they're feeling or anything like that. And when you get that code, they will have just an embargo sheet, and it'll be like, um, okay, here's when the preview embargo is, and you can post your stuff at this time of day or at this time on this day and uh but you can't show this 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 or this and it becomes like okay so you just got to keep an eye on it and make sure you got it all right and everything else like that so you don't break embargoes you don't get in trouble in that way and that's why when an embargo is up that's why everybody always posts the reviews or previews at around Mm -hmm. the same time because that is when that's the earliest we can and uh, it, it all comes down to a lot of just double-checking with the embargo and making sure we got it. So, okay, I can't show this, can't show this. Uh, okay, I can squeeze this in there and do that. However, I only have um, 10 minutes to work with in the preview as far as being able to show footage. And they can only be in two-minute clips, for example. So I have to right. make sure. And that's why you'll see a lot of my videos be just two minutes long or several different clips in, in that length and whatnot. And it just trying to uh, fill it up. It's, it's this weird thing where you're just sort of balancing what you're able to show and going from there. And it's especially true with reviews. And you know, in, in the case of Kirby Star Allies, uh, for the preview stuff, I could not, for example, show the Dream Allies. I couldn't say anything uh, anything right. about them. I couldn't say that uh, you, know, you actually had them all playable or anything like, uh, or, or the like. And it's like, it was rough because it was like, oh, man, I, that means I can't really play with them. I made sure not to have them on my team because otherwise I'd have to cut around the footage where I actually do have them on my team. I was like, well, all right, let's guess we can't really use them. But it was yeah. also like, man, this is cool that they're actually in there. Uh, and then, of course, once the preview embargo is over, once it gets to review embargo, they were like, okay, now you can show this stuff. Now you can show these extra modes. Now you can show DDD, Meta Knight, and Bandana D on your team and that sort of stuff. And you also notice that um, in the case of those Dream Friends that Nintendo announced it themselves before we were able to show it. So it's, it's a lot of times exactly. it works like that. Is they'll, they'll prevent us from saying something and then they'll have uh, another thing going forward. And... Um, yeah, it's just always different. And like, it's sometimes you have a very loose embargo. Like, the embargo for uh, Yakuza Six is extremely open. Like, other than like, mm-hmm. don't 
spoil the story, and that, it, it literally is like that. They basically saying it's like, don't spoil the story related to this area, and don't uh, show these parts of the game. Otherwise, have have at it. Show whatever you want. And right. yeah, it's like okay. And other times it's like okay, you can only have thirty second clips, and only from this time and from these uh, specific areas in the game. And the thing that sucks the most about embargoes. A lot of times when they're trying to be specific about what you can't show, they will spoil games for you. Yeah, I've they sure do. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Ash. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, you just have to you have to be okay with the idea of having games spoiled for you because, and, and I oftentimes are not, and I've had certain games spoiled for me just because you got to read the whole embargo so you don't accidentally, you know, show something you're not allowed to, but these embargoes are just hardcore where with the way they'll just spoil story elements left and right and not even care about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I get why, you know, you, the, the, the journalists need to know what not to show, but at the same time as a fan or, you know, as, as, as you know, a game enthusiast, it really sucks to have those spoilers just right out there. Yeah. A lot of times when I see stuff like that, I will skim past it and get to yeah. the stuff that's like the meat stuff that I need to know right off the bat. And, by the time I'm like, it's time for me to actually do something with the embargo, then I'll go back through and read. I'm like, oh my gosh, thank God I missed this. Uh, right. You can imagine with Xenoblade. <laughs> like, there were hardcore spoilers in Xenoblade. Oh, I bet there were. Um, and I had to, uh, I was like, nope, <laughs> not looking yeah. at that. Um, even like Pokemon, like as soon as I opened up the embargo sheet for uh, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, they revealed all the names on that. They revealed Ultra Necrozma. They revealed all this stuff, and I'm like, well, yeah, you, know, you got all there. There's all that stuff. Um, final name of the final boss and the 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 extra bosses in Kirby Star Allies immediately spoiled. Yeah. So it's it's that weird thing when it comes to embargoes and like. Here's what not to spoil for everybody else, but we're going to spoil it for you. <laughs> right. And just like, and, and Nintendo embargoes, especially as Derek was kind of, uh, you know, saying, they can get exceptionally granular with like, you know, you have 10 minutes to work with and your clips can only be three minutes each. And you can only have this certain number of clips showing this part of the game maximum. And like, there are so many different things that you sometimes have to keep track of that it can be a little difficult. And but you just have to get good at it because the quickest way to get blacklisted from the game industry is to break embargo. Mm-hmm. Like easily the quickest way to have no one ever want to work with you is to just break embargoes with reckless abandon. Oh, yeah. Even if you do it and if you do it, you know, once accidentally on a you know, on on a not that big a deal game, it's gonna be fine. You know, mm-hmm. it's not you know, people will understand, but if you just start breaking embargoes and you're not really, really keeping track of what you can and can't show very quickly, publishers and developers will stop working with you. Oh, so yeah. you really do have to be very careful, and it's something you have to take very seriously. And it's not a good... It's not like covering games that are that are under embargo. It's not a good profession for people who are bad at keeping secrets. Because <laughs> yeah. really, you just... You can't... You can't reveal things. Yeah. And, you know, if you do, and you reveal to the wrong person, and it gets out, you're done. Oh, yeah. So you have to be really, really good at keeping secrets and just, you know, being okay with having... You know, being... Uh, being okay with having privileged information and being mature about that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why it's fun to have like um, Chugga Conroy with me while, while I'm playing Xenoblade so I can actually talk about it because yeah. you get to certain scenes and you're like, oh man, I want to talk about this with somebody because it's so freaking cool and I can't. Uh, yeah. That sort of thing. But I, I will say a funny story before we wrap up the whole embargo stuff. Um, I think we've I think we've had an effect on Nintendo. <laughs> Yeah, um, because I swear to God, over the years, 
their embargoes have gotten more and more specific um, where they were like, uh, for example, in the Kirby, no compilations listing all of the powers and stuff like that, which I could do. I could uh-huh. definitely pull off with the time limits they gave me. And that way I had that out there for everybody before anybody else potentially because nobody else might yeah. not think of it, uh, for example. But now, like before, we were able to pull that stuff off. And I think Nintendo was like, oh, crap, we should have mentioned that. So we didn't like they didn't pull this stuff off and mess with us and do that sort of thing and like and so they've gotten more specific in that way and another time we had something i forget exactly what it was but we had something from metroid uh Fed, uh samus returns i showed uh-huh. off um i think one of the uh, a, a sequence later or something like that one of the sequence involving the sequences involving the diggernaut and there was nothing in the embargo that specifically said that I could not show what I showed I was working perfectly within their embargo but they still contacted us and were like yeah we really don't want you to have that up could you please take it down which is of uh. course, which of course we complied I mean we can't say any we, I mean, it is their choice we got to follow along with it but it is just an example of how we've kind of forced Nintendo's hands a lot of times and they've gotten a little stricter. <laughs> yeah, which, hey, I mean, I guess that's a good thing, right? I mean, you know, we're, we're as iron sharpens iron, I think the quote goes. And mm-hmm. hey, we're, we're making making each other better at our jobs. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm sure there have been, the thing, been things that Nintendo has done that have been annoying in the moment, but have made us better game journalists as well. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure other uh, journalists have had the same sort of effect. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a learning process of trying to figure out what exactly uh yeah how we keep things under wraps that we want to keep under wraps while still allowing these outlets to show off our game and make people interested right exactly so and it, it, but it's it's a really cool thing to be have access to you just have to make sure you are good at keeping it to yourself and being professional about it yeah and non-disclosure uh, documents basically apply the same way it's like you go to a preview event please sign this thing saying you won't reveal it Exactly. Here's, here's the embargo for what you have. You're good to go. Right. So, yep. Um, well, I think we're going to wrap up here because, Ash, you actually have something to get to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a thing to get to right after this. I'm kind of running low on time, so it's my <laughs> fault. I apologize. Yeah, blame Ash. I mean, yeah. hey, at least he did. Hey, you got some acting from him, so that's something. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I, I made up for it there. Yep, and and hey, you know, we we could even just say the the combined question that we were going to have, we could do it in a, in a future one. We won't like not do it. It'll just be in a future one. We can double up maybe. Yeah, because I think it's still uh, relevant. So just as just as market is one of what we do want to answer in the future, because I I am personally very connected to this, and I do want to I do want to talk about it because this kind of sucks. Uh, I had two yeah. different people ask about um, the Toys R Us closure and uh-huh. our memories. Of the oh hell! Of let's it. just let's just talk about it really quick. Now we're already talking about it. So let's just do it. <laughs> All right, real quick. Uh, yeah. We might go into it further once we talk about this because I do want to stop by Toys R Us at some point before these things right, close. Right. Right. Um, these come from Eddie Barber and Rich uh, Walter, who both ask: With Toys R Us closing, what are some of your fondest memories of the store? And um, it really is just youth and going in there. Like I don't really think about the toys so much it was the video game section because yeah. I, I don't i don't know if you remember this ash you probably do but you go into a toys toys r us back in the day of the snes and the genesis and rather than the boxes all being out there behind a glass case or something they had these 
basically paper things that you'd fold up, uh, like you could uh, turn up uh, that showed the game's case. And on the back, they'd have the back of the box so you could still read it and get, learn everything you needed to do. But the actual games weren't out front. So instead, what you would do is grab a little sheet of paper from it, marking the game that you want to get. And if there were no sheets of paper in there, yeah. that, that that immediately meant that they were sold out. So uh, you'd grab it, take it over to a place where they had all of them stored up since they they could save store space that way. They would fetch it, fetch it for you and you'd get it. And there was, I don't know, there was such a joy to going to Toys R Us, seeing this lineup of games, looking through each of them and... Um, Picking out the game, and I, was, I remember the heartbreak too of like, man, I can't wait for this game. Oh, it's no longer there. No. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. You're you're gonna hate me for this because I do vividly remember everything you're talking about. Absolutely, and, and I've certainly been in my fair share of Toys R Uses or Toys Is R Us. I'm not sure how you would say <laughs> that, but um, but I never liked it. Like I I would always go out of my way not to get games from Toys R Us if I could. I just never really liked the shopping experience there. Even as a kid, like, I didn't like those tickets. I didn't like taking tickets, and I just, I don't know, the the way the games were set up, and it just felt kind of like the, I don't know, it just didn't feel like Toys R Us ever really understood video games or marketing video games, and it's just kind of never felt fun being in there, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I totally get how important the fixture Toys R Us is to a lot of kids and a lot of you know, a lot of people our age, especially. And I'm, I, I'm sad to see it go, but I don't really have the positive memories, I guess, associated with it that you do. But I do remember the way it would, you know, I remember the, I, what do they call our zone? I think they call yeah, it Yeah, I think they section. call it the R zone. Yeah. So I definitely do remember it, but I think I mostly, you know, got games as a kid from like, you know, Electronics Boutique, and which would eventually become GameStop, and and more in specialty stores and like you know uh, Funko Land, <laughs> uh, Funko Land, KB Toys, things like that. Yeah. So I just never, I don't know, Toys R Us was never a big deal to me as, as much for whatever reason. Uh, wow, you had no childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? How, how dare I? I know, I was like, how yeah. dare you not have a fondness for this corporate ed- entity and that sort of thing? But it is kind of weird how you get that just the excitement of like, oh my god, it's a huge toy store type thing. No, and I'm sure as a, as a young kid, I don't remember, but I'm sure as a young kid, I loved Toys R Us and I would love going up and down the aisles. I just don't really remember it as much. And then you know, my memories of going into Toys R Us specifically for video games as an older kid, I just remembered never liking it that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I remember. I guess that's why. Yeah, the other memory I have of Toys R Us was dragging my poor mother <laughs> to, <laughs> to a Toys R Us one morning. Um, in order to get the Mew, they were distributing Mew at the, to- okay. at the Toys R Us, my Toys R Us, and it was a good half hour away to get to the closest one. So I dragged her out early in the morning so I could get my Toys R Us, and she <laughs> followed along and helped me out, and got me there, and I got my Mew, and my sisters came along because they played a little bit. So they oh, each awesome. got Mews too. So I actually did the whole distributing thing, and that's the only time I did it. But I, yeah. That's I, a, you know, I will say it was it was a weird remind, thing just going to each of them like okay we're going to transfer the Mew to you and it was a very different yeah. process than it is today. Well, I didn't do that, but I can I will say that that reminds me of a positive toy, Toys R Us experience I had recently, like just a couple of years ago, uh, with an Amiibo launch. I think um, the day it was like Bowser Junior and a couple of other Amiibo came out, and I went to Toys R Us that morning, and they had plenty of stock, and they were doing it like very professionally like they were handing out tickets and order and there was no crazy rush and they just handled it very well so mm-hmm. that is one specific memory i have of toys r us being pretty awesome more recently with amiibo toys r us handled amiibo really well like i i didn't yeah. 
like go there immediately, but I like actually no, I, the, the one um, when the uh, Robin line, the line that included Robin from uh-huh. Smash, came out. I was down at uh, Momocon with a bunch of friends from Brain Scratch uh, Comms, and we all went there because it was launching that day so we all wanted to get the amiibo that were coming out so i wanted my robin and nice. uh, the other stuff that was coming the other lines of, of that that i wanted to come out we all went there found a local toys r us down in atlanta and they handled it very well we were all able to get him handled it perfectly and then got got all the amiibo i wanted and then even uh after that, uh, there was a after I kind of fell out of immediately lining up to get these amiibo, um, I went in after I went into a Toys R Us just to browse and look at the video game selection and just sort of see what they had. And they had a huge amiibo lineup, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my god, they're Shovel Knight. Cool. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like these like amiibo that I, like did never saw anywhere else, but hey, could pick them up here. Right. So. Well, there. Yeah. No. They. The, well, the, between the both of us, then it does sound like Toys R Us, just in general, really did do a great job with Amiibo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. So. Yeah. Well, R.I.P. T.R.U. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so much for uh, Toys R Us kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is. It is weird. It does feel like the end of an era. Even if I personally don't like, you know, I wasn't a huge Toys R Us guy growing up. Still, it, it is the end of an era for sure. Mm. And is the, the sad thing is, it's not even their fault. I know, I know. I was reading a bit about it. it. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. Yeah, it's just equity firms and uh, <laughs> all that just fun stuff. Oh yeah, money. exactly. The money Business. and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so dumb. Yeah, but all right. Well, on that somber note, <laughs> Ash, why don't you give it before we head off? Why don't you give us one more bad line? You got any more in you off the top oh, of your head? Oh jeez. Oh, man. What am I? Let's see. I got trying to think of any other bad lines. Oh, let me let me think of. Uh, oh, I guess I could do something for Mega Man Eight. I'm trying yeah, to think. Uh, let's see if I could do just scream, Dr. just Light. scream for thirty. Minutes. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> um, these seem to be energy resources. We may be able to locate Doctor. Uh, I can't remember the exact line. Uh, if, uh, if we find that energy, we'll find Doctor Wiwi. I wish I could think of something better though. Yeah. Like on the. Yeah. No, that's uh, all right. Oh, oh, I got it. Oh. I got it. Here we go. The most quotable game of all time. I'll do you fast, Peppy old pal. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, did you say uh, Daddy squeal real good when he died or something really <laughs> awful like that yeah. to Fox? Oh, my God. I that's like it. the most quotable game of all time. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right, guys. I think that wraps it up for episode 96 of the Game Explained Real Talk uh, podcast. Uh, thank you guys, as always, so much for listening each and every week. And if you guys enjoyed this, be sure to hit it. Uh, 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 throw us a dollar. <laughs> I blanked on that, uh, the, the line there. Line! <laughs> um, nice. That's, this is why I don't act, Ash. Um, but yeah uh, if you guys want to support us on Patreon it's just one dollar a month get these podcasts uh, three days early every Friday as well as offer up topics like the ones we had here so uh, we'll catch you next week for episode 97 and uh, thank you Ash for letting us have a little extra time (laughs) no of course I love doing these so anytime yep alright guys bye